part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Discover your geeky haven with Twink.com. We've been delivering you the best products and all things pop culture for more than 20 years. Enjoy a wide selection of officially licensed merch from your favorite fandoms. We carry top brands from Disney, Funko, Marvel, and DC, Star Wars, Harry Potter, and much, much more. We also offer an array of exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. With all these collectible goods, you're definitely going to need a bigger boat. Dive in with code WINGEEKS15 to save 15% off your first order at toink.com. Of Wookie Radio. It is the Smugglers 3, Ken, Derek, and myself, Mike. How you guys doing? Hello, hello. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, it sounds like we're all suffering from a long couple days. <laughs> well, the problem is, uh, just like everybody else in the country, this winter's been so strange with the weather going up and down and up and down that yeah. everybody's yeah. getting head colds and yeah, yeah, yeah. Body just about to handle it. Like today, it was 35 degrees here. Tomorrow's got a high of 70. Yeah, we were in the 80s here, but um, you know we, we've we've had the jumps drastically as well. Or at least for this area, what was considered drastic jumps here. Um, it, it's just been rough in general. Uh, but uh, check out the homepage WookieRadio.net. Support our affiliates such as Biddy Boomers. Use code WeBeGeeks for 15 percent off. Your awesome little Bluetooth speaker or biggie, bigger boomer, which is the eight inch speaker that they have. Cool. <laughs> They're awesome. Um, also, too, Rebel Sabers use code Wookie for 10% off your purchase from there. I, we're in, I, I've already been in talks with Ryan. Uh, we're working on getting uh, the right image for him but i will give you the code smuggler three not smugglers smuggler three for 25 percent off your purchase at redflagworkshop.com they got great national park and park ranger patches and they just dropped i don't know if you guys saw these in in your email they just dropped junior park ranger patches that are colorable he talked about them on the show. They're officially out. Oh, yeah. 
Awesome. And, they and are I'm so hopefully this weekend, hopefully this weekend they'll get um, a video filmed on the what they sent us already. Yeah, I, I still got to do that too. Uh, I ended up ordering three more. I got the Kashyyyk Park Ranger, Kashyyyk National Park, and the Hoth Park Ranger. I need to get the other Hoth National Park that's got the ad on it. Uh, the one I've got, it's got the, uh, it's the one with the, the cave. I, I think it's the Wampa Cave. Um, also, too, check out toink.com. Use code WINGEEKS15 for 15% off your purchase. Um, I'm going to ask you guys... Did, have we done the book of Boba Fett geeky tiki's? I have a funny feeling we have. I want to say I those, believe, yes, I chose that, that was you I all at once. Yeah, Cad Bane, Rex, and uh, Chrysanthemum. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I'm going to go with this because it's going to tie into a story we're going to be covering later. The toink pick of the week this week is the Star Wars Yoda. May the force be with you ceramic ramen bowl and chopstick set. This is a very cool design. And this is something I I would almost expect to see at the Japan Pavilion at Epcot. Yeah. This, I mean, it's got the Japanese style art on it and it, it looks gorgeous. I, I really like this one. I, I need to, I need the ramen sets. I need to, I need to get ramen sets for all of us here in the family. I almost wish they had a Winnie the Pooh ramen set for, for Melissa. Because I know with Zoe, I could do a Star Wars or Harry Potter. She'll go Harry Potter in a heartbeat. I can get away with Star Wars with no problem. But they also have like a, a Toei Spider-Man one that it looks like the old Toei Spider-Man that I would love to get to. Nice. But yeah, I, I wouldn't mind getting a noodle set. Because Zoe makes like uh, vegetable fried rice or chicken vegetable fried rice. And that would be perfect for these bowls as well. I mean, the ramen bowls aren't just for ramen. Yeah, but there's a slight problem with them. I'm looking at these ramen bowls. It's like, if they're the size they look, they're just big enough to um, eat out of. Yeah. They're made for children. No. No. Well, ramen ramen are small portions anyway. I mean, think think about like the, I mean, it's a little bigger than than the uh, cup of soups. Now I want to order from the restaurant around here. (laughs) They make American-sized ramen. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, trying to focus you know, right now, my focus is almost about as good as a stormtrooper shooting, but I I've been checking out this, this new product, um, called magic mind. It's, okay. it's like a healthier version of, uh, the like five hour energies or whatever else, the little shots. Yeah. Um, Matcha, it's made with matcha tea, a couple of different mushrooms, and uh, turmeric, and a few other things to help with anti-stress, uh, anti-anxiety, um, energy boost, all that, and and help with focus. It's great stuff. Uh, we're actually running a promotion with them through Mighty Marvel Geeks. Go ah. to go to magicmind.co forward slash Mighty Marvel Geeks. And you choose your subscription. The there's a ninety or a thirty bottle subscription. It comes out like three twenty five a bottle, which is cheaper than what you would buy the others at the convenience store counter. And because I think the last time I bought one at the convenience store, I almost paid five bucks for it for a two ounce shot. Like really? See, I've never got into shots. I've always I I have like a monster every morning or a rock star or something. Um, I don't really do the energy drinks myself. 
I've done the Rockstars and whatnot, and they really haven't done much for me. I've tried these others. They haven't done much. This, I, I have noticed a big difference. Uh, day one, yeah, but by day five, uh, I've been taking, I, I've gone almost 10 days with them now. I, I've, I've been noticing a difference. Sounds like it's more like a supplement type deal that it, it, um, it builds it, a, your system. It is almost like a supplement, but it acts like a, an energy my only issue what was it called magic mind it's magicmind.co then use forward slash mighty marvel geeks and then if you use the code use the code marvel geeks it's 10 percent off on your purchase ah. uh, i like i said i've been using uh days that i forget i kind of feel i kind of feel it but it's definitely helped f- focus for me and i definitely feel a little bit more energy at work because I take it right before I go to work. They say, you know, take it instead of your morning coffee. Well, I'm not a coffee drinker. Uh, and for me, I just take it before work because a lot of times I'm, I'm not fully awake enough until I'm heading to work. And then by the time I get to work, I'm, I'm ready to go. So what's it actually taste like? It has a very strong matcha tea taste, matcha green tea. Okay. I am not a, I mean, green tea's got a lot of great benefits for you. Uh, I'm just not a, I'm not a fan of the matcha tea taste, whether it's the matcha, matcha tea um, coating on hockey sticks or whatever. It's it's matcha in general. But I mean, uh, see that that's the thing. I'm not a fan of matcha tea, but I um, I like green tea. Matcha tea, it, matcha is a type of green tea. I know, but it's just but I'm, it, I don't like that. <laughs> but I'll tell you, uh, doing the shots, you know, I'll, I'll shoot the bottle and I mean, I, I taste the bitterness that I personally don't like. It, it's nothing against the product. I'm just not a huge matcha fan, but I, I mean, I taste it for a brief second and then it's like gone. I don't, I don't get the, the afterbite like I usually do with matcha. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it's been fun. So yeah, magicmind.com co forward slash mighty marvel geeks use code marvel geeks for 10 percent off your purchase so there um before we get into last week's episode of bad batch let's go over a few things um it was announced uh within the last couple weeks that one uh star wars night is returning to disneyland after dark in may which as much as Whenever we do stuff here in California or here in Florida, California complains, oh, we want that. I would love to see Star Wars night happen here in Florida as well. You guys do you have an after dark program? We do have an after dark program, but we do not have a Star Wars night. And I would love to see it happen. See, hopefully this does very, very well. And they consider bringing back the whole Star Wars weekends. See, California never had... Um, Star Wars weekends, and I thought that was wrong. Well, yeah, yeah, but it, it was I mean, for us. It was easier to set up in studios for it, whereas you know, Magic Kingdom's not or Disneyland is not set up as easy. Whereas if they if they had moved Star Tours over to California Adventure, then quite possibly. But I would I would still love to see Star Wars weekends come back, and I would love to see Marvel weekends take place in California tied in with um, Avengers Campus. And I wouldn't be upset about that. 
But with the Star Wars, Star Wars night after dark, I don't see why we couldn't do that here since we also run after darks as well. I, I, I don't see why we couldn't do it here. But um, the, the Disney after dark events are set for the evenings of May 2nd, 4th, 8th and 11th as part of a month long celebration of Star Wars Day. Um, it's a special private party inside Disneyland from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. every night, each one of those nights. Um, you'll immerse yourself in music plucked from Star Wars films as Star Wars Celebrate the Night Fireworks Show illuminates the skies above Disneyland. Fly the Falcon and join the fight against evil to access the ride Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run and other attractions. Learn the ways of the Jedi and the art of defense in lightsaber instruction instructional demonstrations. Um, that's another, it's a glorified way of saying Jedi Training Academy. Uh, explore themed snacks. It's, back. Uh, it's not back. They're not back at either park because we don't have it here either. No, no, no. That's for this. They're doing it though. Yeah, but I think this is for all ages, not just kids. Yeah. Well, that's Which, what everybody wanted it to be. It was for everybody. Well, they used to do it here on Father's Day. Fathers used to be able to participate in Jedi Training Academy. And by the time I was getting Father's Day off, they stopped doing it because I wanted to go. <laughs> I wanted Jedi Training Academy. Uh, explore themed snacks such as galactic churros and out of this world sweets. Watch out for Captain Phasma and her stormtroopers during the March of the First Order, which if you have never seen that on YouTube, whether it's studios or um, Disneyland's Tomorrowland, that march is impressive. It, it, it's, it's a trip. Uh, stop for photo ops on themed background, themed backdrops of your favorite heroes and villains. Cross paths with Dinsians from all around the galaxy, including Tusken Raiders and Jawas. So, and of course, coming up in the next couple months, uh, we're about a month and a half away, actually, uh, or just over a month and a half. April seventh through tenth, Celebration Europe in London. And all these stories are coming tonight from StarWars.com, by the way. StarWars.com has five reasons to go to Star Wars Celebration for the first time. So it doesn't matter if it's California or Florida or Chicago or Indianapolis or London or Tokyo. Um, I know they have announced, they've already said that the next celebration after this one is going to take place in 2025. And that's most likely a return back to the States with that one. Uh, we'll know probably on April 10th is typically when they, during closing ceremonies is when they announce where the next show is. So we'll be eagerly waiting around that time to find out where it's going to be. But um, here's some of the cool things. And I almost wish I knew about this before I went to my first one. But each one I've been to, it's almost like going to it for the first time because it changes that much between shows. It's not like going to Still City Con or MegaCon every year. And it's practically the same show, just gets a little bigger, a little bigger, a little bigger. Celebration is almost different every time. Um, so one, you could be in the room for all the new reveals and see them before anyone else. 
And it is possible, especially you now if you if they do the lottery and you get into the lottery that that helps. Um, but there there's there's opportunities. You just gotta you gotta look around, be observant. Uh, number two, you can celebrate anything and everything Star Wars. And of course, they have pictured here the Willow Roots. Yes, every celebration I've been at. They have done the run of the hoods, and it's all the people dressed as Willow Wood, Willow Hood, running all throughout the exhibit floor, all throughout the convention center, with their either ice cream makers or their buckets of something. They're Camtonos. Get it right. The, the, Camtonos. Cam, the Camtonos, but they're they're running around. And it it takes two to three minutes for the entire group to to run by, and it's so cool. And then when you see the entire group taking up the escalator, coming down as part of the run, or going up as part of the run, it, it's entertaining. And I want to know where the people in this picture got the inflatable Camtonos because that's awesome. <laughs> Those are awesome. Um, number three, it's all Star Wars fans. Yes and no. It's 99%, 99.9% Star Wars fans. You Celebration does get that 0.1% Star Trek or Harry Potter invasion or the evasion from another fandom. Yeah, but and it's, usually and it's okay. Star Wars also. Yeah. Um, the couple times that I've seen it with Star Trek, uh, the people were literally trying to instigate a fight. And it's it was like, guys, just leave. It, this this is a. I mean, fans were willing to r- give these people their money back to just leave because they were bringing a, such a negative vibe to the situation. Oh, Star Trek's better. It's based on fact, not fiction. No, no. It's like, you know, a lot of us here love Star Trek as well. So yeah, losing costs. Um, the guest list, and we'll talk about the guest list for this year's a lot uh, in future weeks. That's an entire show. Yeah, but the guest list is impressive. Um, with the early shows that I went to, Celebration Five, Celebration Six, uh, I actually became friends with some of the guests. Um, and and it ended up you know helping you know like Mike Quinn. Mike Quinn's a good. I, I'm I'm a good friend with him. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's it, it's uh, great times. And, and as they say, you know, number five is almost a repeat of some of the others. It's for everyone, all ages. I mean, I, I have a picture from Celebration 6 where I have I'm holding Zoe because she she was just a little over the age of two when we took her. I'm holding her and she's look, and you can see the awe in her face of. After I said, this is all Star Wars. And, and she was mesmerized. And I think that's one of the big moments that got her really caught up in the fandom. So I'm hoping one day uh, we'll be able to get, get together at a celebration. That'd be cool. Uh, we'll see. I wouldn't hold my breath on it, though. <laughs> well, we'll figure it out. Uh, next, we're going to go into some collectibles. And uh, Jazzwares introduced Micro Galaxy Squadron 3, Series 3. Oh, boy. Yeah. I realized 
Matchbox wasn't making these anymore. I thought Matchbox started with these, didn't they? No, these nope. are totally different. This has, yep. been, this has been all Jazzwares from the very get-go. Okay, the they are awesome. Uh, I am loving them. There is a uh, Millennium Falcon that they've done that is sold at the parks only, and it's the one based around Galaxy's Edge. Now, are really? these die-cast yeah. or the, um, plastic? Die-cast. Die-cast. Oh, nice. Yes. Like, I remember when they brought back the micro-machines. They were kind of cool looking, but it's like they just—they also look really cheap because they're all plastic. No, these are die casts. Oh, these are better. These are awesome. Uh, the figures though are plastic. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But the ships are. Die-cast. They're not. They're, they're not highly detailed, but they're little. You know, little tiny figures. But but you know, I'm okay with that. You. you like the the one they're showing here, Poe Dameron's X-wing is the. Uh, Black, his black X-Wing. You know that's Poe. Right. It yeah. doesn't have to be super it, detailed. From the size of it, it reminds me of Mask. Remember that back in the day from Kenner? No, they're sm- way they're, smaller. They're smaller than, than Mask. Wow. Mask. Way yeah. smaller. They're uh, like the size of your thumbnail, height-wise, maybe, if that. So uh, maybe, easily, easily losable. Oh, yes. Yeah. The figures. Yeah. Very easily. Yeah. Uh, so the ones that were announced um, for Series 3, we got Poe Dameron's T-70 X-Wing, uh, his black and orange. And if I remember right, there is a variant with it, with the white and blue. Mm-hmm. And he is not in his X-Wing pilot outfit, but I believe the outfit he wears when we first see him in... Uh, Force Awakens with the jacket that ends up being Finn's jacket. Uh, up next, the V-Wing Starfighter. Yes. That was one, I, that, you know, for the Clone Wars era in the, in the Grand Republic, in the, in the Republic, the Grand Republic with the clone army. This was one of the under, underwhelmed, underrated fighters. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't really used enough either. I don't think. We, yeah, I mean, we saw, we saw it, saw it a, a little bit in uh, Revenge of the Sith. Focused on really, it was just there. Yeah, I don't even remember seeing it used in um, in the Clone Wars series. I think there were some episodes that had that, that it was in the background of, but yeah. yeah. But Never we, really. but we saw the the other one that was uh, the prelude to the tie or to the X wings. Yes. That uh, essentially the three wing, but no, the the V wing I love and almost has a, it almost seems like this is the inspiration where the A wing came from a little bit to streamline it, streamline it a little bit more. I think we saw this. I think we did see this in Clone Wars. Did we actually see it in any of the movies anywhere? Revenge of the Sith. In Revenge of the Sith. It's in the opening battle sequence. Okay, because I'm looking at it, it's like I've. You're right. We barely saw this at all. I mean, they they show there's one um, drawing here with the Jedi starfighter, but yeah, very. It was it was background stuff, but it, it's it, it's a great. Yeah, again, it's it's like an underrated ship. Uh, and it, and it, to me, I I always liked it because it seemed like oh, this is where the A wing spun off of without the without the extra without the extra wing yeah with more being more fixed wing instead of what they what they have you know where you would have seen it the most i'm looking through i found it um on one of the wiki pages the appearances it was in battlefront 2 
Yeah. It's in episode three, but it was in one episode of the Clone Wars and two, three, ten different episodes of Bad Batch. Yeah. So, so most, of, most of his time has been Bad Batch. Oh, ten episodes of Bad Batch. Huh. So it was all over the place in Bad Batch in the season one. But it, it did appear in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Which was the first appearance. Yep. Uh, up next, General Grievous' Starfighter. So this is one of your ones. I, I've kind of liked this one because it's, it's, you know, his Starfighter kind of had the old classic like Studebaker vibe yeah, to it. Yeah. yeah. Almost, it feels like. And like you said, it's one of like the old like 30s or 40s sedan. The Edsel. Mm. Starfighters. The Edsel. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was a cool design. It was a very cool design. I, I wish we saw more of the style Starfighter. Because I, I, I think this is kind of cool. For me, it almost doesn't look like a Starfighter as much as a speeder. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to just mention while we're talking about these is these also have um, some cool features about them. All the vehicles, like obviously they have opening cockpits for for everything, but um, like they have like the Jedi Starfighters come with their um, hyperdrive rings, and uh, the really cool ones are the bigger ships. Like the Falcons got a bunch of features. It, it, the back opens up so you can see inside, and it has lights and sound. And um, I I need to go. I need to try and find the Falcons, the different Falcons they put out. It's awesome. I love it. It's actually my favorite version, my favorite Falcon toy right now. And they have like the, the, um, um, uh, the Mandalorian ship. Razor Crest. Yes. Thank you. I don't know why I drew a blink, drew a blink on that. That one has, that one actually comes with a figure in carbonate. Oh, that's cool. Well, the next ship is Anakin's Jedi Starfighter. And this would be the one from Clone Wars because it's got the hyper hyperspace ring. This wave is very seems to be very um, focused on Jedi starfighters. Yeah, um, and then there are the Micro Galaxy Squadron Scout class. Those are cool. And each pack contains one mystery vehicle or micro figure accessory and display stand. Uh, so there's like Cad Bane on his speeder. Oh. Dooku on on his speeder from Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. That looks nice. Yeah. Uh, speeder bike from Empire Strikes Back. Uh, looks like a couple speeders, first order speeders from. Uh, oh no, the first order speeder from Rise of Skywalker, and it looks like the uh, Corellian Patrol Empire's uh, Corellian Patrol speeder from Solo. I don't recognize. Uh, yeah. One's the Bad Batch speeder, and then I don't recognize the other two. I what, want that uh, cat being uh, one. Yeah, because I have um, I had to run downstairs real quick because I saw that. Then I remembered. Oh wait, man! Yeah, I got a couple months ago. I got something um, hot topic. I was like, "Ooh, that looks interesting. What's this?" And I actually got one of the series one of those blind boxes. Yeah. Oh and yeah. It was a step. Yes. Oh, steps are cool. I have that one. I got to get that one. I love the step. That was yeah. that was that was an awesome thing from the prequels. That was that's awesome. That's one that was used a lot in in Phantom Menace, but not as much in the other movies. Yeah, and it should have. Yeah, it should have been used more. Uh, up next, this one I I like, uh, and this is this was his only Starfighter 
Oh yeah, because he he didn't use the the second version that we saw Anakin and Obi Wan use in Revenge of the Sith, but this is Plo Koon's Jedi Starfighter, mm-hmm. and I've always I always loved the paint scheme on his with the blue and white. Yeah. Also, all of the starfighters, all of these starfighters come with um, astromech droids that are fully removable and and actually fit in the droid slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the, I, I love this line. I I need to get Plo Koon's jet uh, starfighters on my list now. The Falcons They're, are on my list. The, you the, definitely want to get the Falcons, believe me. Uh, I wouldn't mind having the full set of the Falcons. I know there's the Galaxy's Edge version, and it has some of the characters from Galaxy's Edge. Um, there's also uh, then there's also the one from the original trilogy and from the sequel trilogy, right? Yes, I believe so. So it's just the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, another Jedi fighter is Leia Sakura's Jedi Interceptor, which is what we see uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin use in Revenge of the Sith is the Interceptors, mm-hmm. which Plo Koon never used. He always was just the Interceptor or the uh, Starfighter. Um. A first order TIE fighter, and I love and I love how with the TIE fighters there's been a variant that are battle damaged. Yeah, and the battle damage is amazing. Um, Anakin's Jedi interceptor, so you you could get both of his uh, Jedi fighter craft in this series. Yep, his starfighter and his interceptor. Uh, Obi Wan's interceptor. I have Obi Wan's Jedi starfighter. Okay, so that was what, Series 2? Yes. Okay, so it almost seems like you're going to want to get his Interceptor to complete the I got the, the big package. version of the Interceptor right here. Yeah, I would love to get the three three-quarter inch scale <laughs> ships as well. They did I, they did one for um, the Jedi Mickey figure. It was Jedi Mickey's uh, Starfighter. Jedi Starfighter, but I don't remember if it... I think it was the Interceptor and not the Starfighter. Mm. And it came, and it held uh, the R two MK Astromech Mickey's Astromech. Oh, nice! And I'm sorry, Ken. I think I might have started to interrupt you. Mm-hmm. No, okay. I was showing you. I, I just happened to see the Obi Wan's. I'm like, wait a minute! I got that one right above my head. Yeah, but, um, three and three quarter version. Uh right now the only the only ship I have or we have is we have the uh, Last Jedi A wing, which I, I love the A wing. Um. Next in the Galaxy Squadron is the Republic gunship. And the workhorse of all the Star Wars movies. And this is the one that was used in the in the micro series, if I remember right. Because it's the it's got the the monster mouth. That's what the troopers look like also. Yeah. This looks like the micro series version. Cool. Which is really nice. That's it. Um I know there's some variants. Um I think the only variant in this is uh, Poe Dameron's X-wing. The only the only other thing I could potentially see a variant with is um, the gunship. The gunship, yeah, or possibly or, Tie Fighter. Tie Fighter battle damage, yeah. Um, I don't I don't see any other opportunity for for a variant. I know I I know I've seen the blue and white Poe Dameron X-wing which is what they have also at Galaxy's Edge. Mm. 
So while they could easily turn that into a Galaxy Edge exclusive as well with a different set of figures, um, I believe there's the normal one with Poe in his outfit from Force Awakens and BB-8. So it's interesting. I'm on, I'm looking on Amazon at these um, different ones, and it, it, even on Amazon they don't show them open. Like the Millennium Falcon they have on here available doesn't show it opened up at all to show the features or anything. No. Pictures, but it doesn't show actually any of the features or anything. Yeah, no. But if you look, if you look on the packaging, it shows you what what each thing does. Yeah, but sometimes it's hard to tell in pictures. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead because I'm looking at our time. Let's go ahead and discuss last week's uh, bad batch, and who would like to lead us off in the discussion? Not me. I'm not sure I remember it. <laughs> Well, last week was the one that was um, off in the um, mines. Start off at the mines and the Marauder. Um, and the I think Marauder. it was called Crossing. Yes, because the, they're having a cross to because the Marauder gets gets stolen. Yeah, and actually, the um, they're crossing. It reminded me a little bit of Lord of um, Lord of the Rings, they're crossing the mines of Moria. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, they they were trying to mine the not coaxium. Yes. I don't remember the name. Same thing, just with it, a new name. <laughs> yeah, just as volatile. Mm-hmm. But it, it's once again another mission from Sid, and they're sending him on a mission, and uh, no idea what's going on with it. She bought this mine. She, she of, course, of course, it has this stuff, and it's a fully tapped out mine as long as they can figure out. Right. But end up going down as they're going in the cavern to try and get to this uh, this base or um. Well, yeah, well, um, they find that um, Sid's cavern or mine is pretty much all tapped out except for one little spot. So they're able to get just a little bit of this. I forget exactly what it was called. Ipsium, or I think it was Ipsium, Ipsium. wasn't it? Yeah, Ipsium. The not coaxium. Um, they, they get just enough to get it. They come back out and see, oh, someone swiped their ship. Yeah. So they're stuck. And then they got magnetic storms coming in. Of course, because they, they've been watching on the horizon since the beginning that this planet has some weird storms and stuff going on. So they got to find a way to get over to um, the local village to try to get off the planet. Because, of course, they have no kind of long range communications except for on the ship that just got stolen. Right. So um, as they're trying to get away from there, they um, are running through this valley. And all of a sudden, on a planet that's totally desolate and out of nowhere, there's a stampede of raging deer of some sort uh-huh. <laughs> right in the front of this storm. This planet that has no life at all, anybody can find anywhere, all of a sudden has stampeding cattle or, some, or whatever, space deer or something. Yeah. Space deer. <laughs> well, that's what it looked like. I, <laughs> I know. It's just funny to... For me, I I just envisioned um, the Lion King with the wildebeest. Mm-hmm. So they do find an, um, another cave to dive into, an old another tapped out mine. And this whole time, they, basically, this whole episode was allowed them the um, just like a lot of the other episodes this season to start um, digging more into uh, Omega and her growing up and learning the emotional lessons and stuff is basically the theme of this season. Yeah, well, the the other the other cool thing about this too is it starts off that there's tension between Omega and Tech, and Hunter's like, "You need to go get this. You gotta sort this out. It's your problem, not our problem." 
And the best part is tech has no idea what the problem is. Yeah. Cause that's just who he is. He's a very cold, very calculating. That's just the, that's the way he was designed. Yeah. So, um, so the whole theme of this episode was basically Omega and tech figuring out who they are mm-hmm. or what their relationship is between the two of them. So, um, well, tech, tech has always come across as uh, very rigid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of his thing. Yeah. He, he's, he's almost a computer. Yeah. Almost a computer, almost Android esque mm. just because of the nature, his nature. But it, it's so it's, it's just one of those, you know, it's almost like he is the Sheldon of the group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I am waiting for the day where they go back on the Marauder. Somebody's sitting in a chair and he's like, that's my spot. Mm-hmm. I would laugh so hard if that happened. <laughs> I, I really would. Yeah. I, I would laugh hard if that happened. Because I think that would be funny because it fits. It it fits that nature of, of his character. They just got to figure out a way to do it to make it feel like it fits in here. So that it's one of those, it's not straight on the nose. It's a, if you knew the reference, then you're going to pick it up what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Tech also reminds me, I can't think of the character's name, but a character from Revenge of the Nerds as well. Which one? I want to say the one that plays the violin at the end <laughs> during the show. Oh, uh, Poindexter? Is that Poindexter? I believe so. I think so, yeah. I, I wasn't positive on the name Poindexter. That's why I didn't say but anything. Some of those movies, but... Yeah, but, oh, it, it was just... It, it, was, it was a fun episode because, you know, you'd get to see... You know, here's Tech who, you know, he has no problems interacting with Omega. He just doesn't know how to establish a, a better connection with her. He doesn't have the emotional side of being yes. able to help her or the empathic side. But he doesn't have that with the rest of the crew either. Yeah, I was just going to say. And, and the rest of the crew understands that's his role. The rest of them are trained soldiers. Omega is not is a, a soldier. Um, teenage girl. Right. Don't remind me because I have one. Well, this episode shows that off too. Some that the first time I think it's one of the first times we actually see Omega get upset. Oh yeah. Um, but the cool thing with it is all the stuff that um, Tech is very um, logical, very do exactly what needs done. Uh, but you see, Omega ends up getting in trouble and falling down a shaft, and uh, he doesn't even look back. He drops his stuff and just dives through the hole. See, for take the logic of figuring out, okay, how am I going to climb down there? How am I going to fix her and come back up? No, he just dove after her. Yeah. For, for, at this point in time, Omega is reminding me too much of my daughter <laughs> who Derek got to see in her final, right before, or right in that final couple months before she became a teenager. <laughs> and she was already something else then. Mm-hmm. So yeah, kids. They'll have. They'll be fun. They said. <laughs> oh, she's been fun to have and fun to raise. But I mean, she's got her moments. But definitely, she she definitely. If there is a if there is a um, a Star Wars character that, yeah, we we said Jen Arso is very similar because you know she shares the nickname that Zoe has with Stardust. Uh, Zoe loves Sabine and she loves Ahsoka, but Zoe and Omega are very, very similar in a lot of ways. Um, I, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to ask Derek, would you kind of agree after spending a day with her 
at the parks. Yeah, I would say so. And there, there's a lot, very, a lot of, there, there can be a lot of Omega in, in Zoe, which is, which is wild. Mm-hmm. I would almost want to see Zoe pull, uh, do an Omega cosplay. <laughs> that, that could be fun for her to do. So, um, no, I love too how they, when they finally get to this, um, dwelling or I'm, I'm not going to say domicile, uh, but the dwelling, uh, the, this, the old West ghost town. Yeah. It's like in the, it's an old West spaceport. It's like a ghost town spaceport, very old West vibe, which I, I thought was cool. And here they are going, okay. And, and it, and it kind of cliffhangs into what ends up being this week's episode, which we're not going to talk about because Derek hasn't seen it yet. Well, there is one development at the end of this, though. Well, one day they find out when she falls down this hole that there's a um, like underground river that flows into this giant cavern, and you and they don't say say anything about it, but they see you see underneath that under this lake is a huge deposit of Zipsium stuff. Yeah, which I think may come back later at some point. Probably. Um, also, when they get to this village, they find, okay, they found a long-range antenna they can use to call for help. They call for Sid, and Sid's like, oh, well, get out of it on your own. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> How many times have they pulled her um, out of the fire, and they're there because of her? She says, guess what? You're on your own. This is your, um, this is your, you guys got in trouble. Get yourself out of it. Yep. So eventually she says, well, I'm in the middle of something. If you, um, if you wait three or four days, I may be able to send something to help you finally. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> that doesn't work. Yeah, they're in a deserted town, no rations or anything else, and they got to wait four or five days. So. Yeah. Not cool, Sid. Not cool. Yeah, I, I'm all rapidly getting tired of Sid, I think, too. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty much all set. I, I, I'm glad we haven't seen a lot of Sid this season. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm kind of digging that we are getting more of what we we had envisioned Bad Batch to be. That's more that Star Wars A team, yeah, esque well, vibe. This season, I gotta go back and rewatch season one, but this season so far, still, I'm looking for a through line. There really isn't one. The first season, there was actually a through line that went through the whole thing. That this was this this is the story they were telling. There was individual stories in there, but they're right. still telling the same long story. This one here, there's not a major story that we've seen that this is the story they're telling. Um, through this point. It's more of like the emotional. It's like okay, this this season they're telling the emotional journey of Omega, or the these guys their relationships together. But we're eight, we're nine episodes in, or no, ten episodes in as of today. I mean, no, right. we're not talking right. ten. We're talking number nine. But so there's six episodes left, and there's still no nothing that's tied up, tied all the episodes together, saying that they, every episode is leading to this. I I feel when we go to discuss ten. I think that's where we get the idea because Omega has a line in episode 10 that kind of alludes to what's happening, what, what the through line has been up to that point. And she points out what that through line is Yeah, for those who don't, who, who, who aren't catching it. Yeah. It's also, but it's not an event in the star Wars world. Like the first one had actually, this was all about a certain events that are happening. Right. This is season of this is not about an actual story event. It's more like character growth or something, which isn't fine, but it's totally different than what they did for the first season. Right. Well, the, the other catch with this too is we're now exploring new territory. Yeah. Because 
most of the major events that would have happened during this time has already happened. Um, and the last, and the last major event to have happened was the creation of the Imperial stormtroopers, which we got at mid season. Yeah. With seven and eight. So we have, we have complete event type things that are happening in this still to this point, feel like they're, um, we're just watching little glimpses of them here and there. Like they're almost like they're background things to the story of what's going on because uh, like that one, Okay, they made two episodes about that. Right. But it still feels like in the grand story of the Bad Batch, these are like, you turn on a TV every once in a while, you see something's happening in the galaxy instead of them being actually a part of something that's happening in the galaxy. Right. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, that's fun. But also, also it could, like, there's been things that that they've uh, started, like like the whole thing with the... with the other clones and everything. So there might be, it might be leading into things coming up, but that's what I'm hoping. There's six episodes left. And I guess I don't remember where it was, but I've heard that there's rumors that um, something towards the end will tie the entire season together. Mm. Like they're giving you all the breadcrumbs from the beginning. But mm-hmm. once you get to the end, all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's what it was all about. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, it, it, it to this point feels a little disjointed. Yeah. Like I said, you know, we'll, we'll discuss it when we talk about 10. Uh, I thought there was, you know, Omega makes a, a comment in 10 that drives home. Oh, this is what they've been doing up. This is the through line that they've been trying to set, tell up to this point. But what we do know that we have seen that's kind of a through point, and it was driven home in episode seven and eight, is we, we have finally seen the death of the Republic and the clone army. Spoiler. <laughs> and the clone army. Yeah. And that, you know, anything related to the Clone Wars or the, the Republic is over. Yeah. So, no, we are definitely now in the Age of Empire. And in... So to speak, for a while because um, it's going to take a minute for them to get the stormtroopers up and running. Yeah, someone has to keep the systems in line. Remember, that's why they built that Death Star. Right, right. Uh-huh. Fear of that battle station. Well, there is no battle station to give them fear, so they got to have to have something. So right now, it's still going to have to be clone troopers. Yeah, but it, it's you know, but it's one of those the the amount of clones being used are are less and less. Yeah. Well, you got to think they're going to, the clones are rapidly going to start aging out also. Yeah. Right. First couple generations of clones are probably already just about aged out. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Boba and Omega are probably the only first generation clones that are still um, able to be doing anything, but that's because they've not made it to maturity yet. Yeah. That would be an interesting one too. I've heard other people talking about it. It's like, I'd like to see um, Boba Fett show up out of nowhere. Cause he and Omega should technically be about the same age. Wouldn't they? At this, uh, if he was a first generation clone, I mean, if he was um, Django's payment, you think he would be um, made real early? I think Boba is a little older than Omega. I, yeah, I think so. Because he he's definitely older when we see him in in the Clone Wars than Omega now. Because he's almost the same age as uh, Ahsoka. Okay, if I remember right. Because Omega comes across as if she's like thirteen, fourteen. Yeah. Clone War in the Clone Wars, Boba, or when we see him at near the end of the Clone Wars series, he's like 16, 17. Yeah. Because um, that's Ahsoka. Ahsoka is like maybe 17 when she leaves the order. She could be 18, but not by much. Yeah, not by much. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
Other than that, Other than that. I do have, uh, I guess we could talk quickly because um, we, we still got some time. Uh, Star Wars Visions, volume two release date, May 4th. Not a surprise. Not a surprise. I was wondering what their May the 4th was going to be. Really? Did you? <laughs> when Visions was announced, yeah, that but volume I know, but two, I figured it, it was going to be May 4th. What was it going to be? So, I, Yeah, I didn't. Because the first Visions was in the fall, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. But with the turnaround that they did on this, I, I figured it was going to be May. And, I, I, and I'm not. But then again. I think I said that on Weeby Geeks when we talked about this on Weeby Geeks too, with a different different story talking about it. Um, but uh, StarWars.com has the breakdown of what each short is and who this filmmaker is. Uh, El Guri is doing I one yeah. is doing one called The Sith. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the studio is El Guri. The writer director is uh, Rodrigo Blas. Blas. Yeah, yeah, and it's cool. From all over the world, these ones aren't all just all Japanese. Yeah, yeah. right. I didn't, and I think that's one of the things we liked about about this was uh, we had said over on We Be Geeks, and, and, and we'll repeat it here for visions to have been done the season one. Yes, great that it was all Japanese anime studios. That's what it should have been. Season two, now you start hitting the other international anime studios and bring that styling into the Star Wars universe as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that would be, and that's going to be great. Uh, now, El Guri is known for the Troll Hunters series. Okay. With Bloss. Uh, but Bloss also worked on uh, Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Ratatouille, Wally. And the nominated short film La Luna. Cool. So, and also spent time at Blue Sky Studios with Ice Age. Hmm. So, Sith, I'm excited to see from El Guri. You know, see that the Spanish um, anime anime style. Be be curious to see. So, I, I wonder how much Spanish culture is going to be tied in with this, or cult, culture of Spain. So, uh, the next one. Hmm. Screechers Reach from Cartoon Saloon. Director is Paul Young. This one's an Irish studio. Yes. Which, when it says that Paul Young, it says here he produced uh, the animated features My Father's Dragon, Wolf Walkers, The Secrets of Kells, Song of the Sea, and The Breadwinner. That, yeah, a lot of that is Irish folklore. Yeah. Uh, up next, from Chile. Studios Punk Robot. It's in the stars with writer director Gabriel Osorio. Uh, his short film in 2016, Bear Story, became the first Latin American project to win an Oscar in the animated short category. Ah, cool. So, um, from Ardman, I am your mother. Uh, director is Magdalena Osinsaka. And yeah. this is. Okay. Where is she from? United Kingdom. Is this the oh, UK? Yeah, the studio is a UK yeah, studio. Okay. But she herself is, uh, this is going to be stop motion, or she's been involved with uh, 2D stop motion. Oh, this is the one that um, may be stylized like Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. Um, but her, what? I thought. She's from Poland. I thought there was actually one from the Wallace and Gromit team. 
I thought this was that team. I'm. I could be wrong. I'm. I'm not sure. Yeah. I. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah. Next up, Journey to the Dark Head from Studio Mir is uh, Hyungun Park. I. Oh. I want to say this is the South Korean one. Yeah, this is South Korean. Which South Korea has got some great animation stuff. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to this one. Uh. Uh, the, this one actually may be more game style because it says he was um, he directed the animation for dozens of cinematic game trailers as well uh, and has since expanded into animated series working on projects like uh, Dota Dragon's Blood Book 3 Look is, and Lookism uh, Journey to the Dark Head is the first title that this guy has executive produced from start to finish very cool interesting uh, the so, next one The Spy Dancer from Studio Le Cachet and this is a French studio. Really? I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- this, uh, it's, uh, Julian Ching is the writer director and he worked with in 2021 with Jindy. Uh, he was the animation executive producer of Jindy Tadotarsky's Primal. If that oh. name sounds familiar, he did the Star Wars Clone Wars micro series and Samurai Jack. And, and so, uh, yeah. basically, if you if you saw animation from Cartoon Network in the um, late 90s, early 2000s, that was all Gendy Tartakovsky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one. Uh, Go ahead. Didn't he do like Dexter's Lab and um, Johnny um, Johnny Bravo? Johnny Bravo also. I don't know. Johnny Bravo fits that style. I don't know about Dexter's Lab. Yeah, I don't think Dexter's Lab, but I think Johnny Bravo was him also, quite possibly. Uh, Up next, The Bandits of Golok from 88 Pictures. Uh, Director is Ishan Shukla, uh, Singapore. This is actually an Indian company, though. Is it Indian? Yeah. Okay. Going back to Jindy, he did two uh, animation director for Two Stupid Dogs, creator director for Dexter's Laboratory, Callan Chicken, story and storyboard artist, uh, supervising producer for the Powerpuff Girls, and Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, pilot, um, Samurai Jack, creator, director, writer, uh, The Clone Wars. Uh, Primal's most recent and upcoming Unicorn Warriors Internal. Okay. So, um, studios, Dart, Shitacho, and Lucasfilm Limited. It's called The yeah, Pit. This directly with Lucasfilm. This, this is awesome. Uh, co-director is Justin Ridge. Writer, director, executive producer is Leandre Thomas. Uh, this is an American group, right? Uh, well, the, um, the art style is, um, Japanese and then obviously Lucasfilm is U.S. So this is a, um, Japanese U.S. collaboration. Um, it says Thomas is actually part of the franchise studio team at Lucasfilm already. Um, and he's worked on more than 11 years for more than 11 years being credited with, um, recent stuff as anybody who knows, um, Disney plus he worked on, um, light and magic, the Mandalorian, Obi-Wan Kenobi, star Wars, tales of the Jedi, and much more. And Justin Ridge is all over the place. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, he was nominated for an Emmy for resistance. He also, um, worked on rebels, storks, the Cleveland show, star Wars, clone wars, and avatar, the last airbender. <clears throat> Uh, up next, Al's song or use song uh, from Triggerfish. This is the and this one's South African. Yeah, I'm looking. This is one that 
when we talked about this on Weeby Geeks, is this studio I was really interested in seeing seeing this project. Now that we know, uh, I I, I, I can't wait to to see it and or learn more about what it is. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen any animation out of South Africa. I mean. I, I've seen some of Trigger Fish's stuff, and I really, really liked it. So I was excited to see what they were going to be bringing to the table. Because a lot of their work has appeared over on BBC. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, final thoughts, guys. It's going to be interesting to see what comes out of this, especially um, when one of them is straight up done by Lucasfilm and the people who have been doing Star Wars in the la- for the last, like, 10 years. Yeah. 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 I... I I, I'm excited that they have done season two and I can't wait. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping we get season three. Easy it, for you to say. It, no, it wasn't easy for me to say. <laughs> That's why I stumbled through it. Um, but I, I would love to see a season three and I would love to see how where they go from there. Because personally, I wouldn't mind a season three. And I, I want to say I said this on uh, when Derek and I discussed it before. I would not mind seeing season three be all Studio Ghibli driven. Yeah, with the different with the different creative teams at Studio Ghibli. Now that there's a relationship between Studio Ghibli and and Lucasfilm. Yeah, I would love to see a straight Studio Ghibli season three. Yeah, that could be interesting. You know, just with the varieties of the different artists and and creators that they have, um, it, it'd be very interesting to see. Mm. So. Uh, final thoughts, guys. I uh, got nothing. I say that was mine. <laughs> Last call, folks. Any final orders before I shut the bar down? J Seven, you're always behind on things. I'll have a B spin fizz. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's des- that's that's different than the Bestman fizz. <laughs> I really have to ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I'm going to do the, um, I'm going to do the fuzzy wampa. I bet you are. Or fuzzy tauntaun. Fuzzy oh, tauntaun. Yeah. Um. So does it smell um, bad or worse on the inside? <laughs> no, but it was quite tasty. It was quite tasty. On that note, uh, there's only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jet, I can hold it. Pull up. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2.